We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The death at a, at a nice hotel. Um late Thursday night, and, and then the coroner announces the idea of a woman, a tourist, that was hitting, uh, killed in a hit-and-run after slipping off a curb. Um, h- how do you determine um, the reality versus the perception? Well, you t- the, the cold numbers, we have 255 murders as of this morning, as I count. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there's Metropolitan Crime Commission numbers. And that is at the top of the scale, the most dangerous city in the United States. Uh, you know, get over it. You know, there's no no, no way to dress a uh, pig, you know, make that prettier than it is. Mm-hmm. Now, the perception, what's really interesting to me in terms of your question, the perception hasn't really caught up with the reality. Really? So, I don't think so. The yeah. reality is worse than a perception? Yep. Wow. And, and you know, people, you know, we pretend it's normal, but it's not. You know, it's off the scale. Uh, and, again, the gentleman who was a blues lover who was murdered uh, <clears throat> on St. Charles Avenue in the hotel, you know, the characters uh, were uh, pulling fire alarms, and he opened his door and was murdered, bludgeoned, killed in front of his wife. Now, you know, that just sent a shockwave through the community. I thought the headline on com was accurate, that this was our wake-up call. This is us. Uh, you know, you get you have to pay $300 for a hotel room, and you get murdered, you know, in front of your wife by a stranger. You have nothing to do with these people. You came to listen to blues. And uh, and and again, at, at at what point does that resonate as a shockwave through the city, and people radically change their behavior? And I think it's close. You know, even now, you have to say, the murder totals have been down the last three months. Uh, over the summer, uh, they were averaging twenty twenty five point five uh, a uh, a month. And now we're in last month it was 18. Yeah, 18 is better than 25, but it's still not good. And people uh, don't think, oh, great, we only have 18 murders in a little city. Uh, they're saying, oh, my God, what's going on here? The guy's killed in his hotel room. Three of the people were abducted uh, two hotels down the row. So we, we've really got to do some soul searching. And I think there are two two questions. 
what do we do about violent crime? The second question, is there anything you can do about the perception of crime? How do do the police and how does the city help frame it? Um, And, you know, the the thing that strikes me as a criminologist, uh, which I am on the good days, is um, the vagaries of this. If you see somebody who looks like me get murdered, you say, oh, my God, the world's coming to an end. Uh, in 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 the outer areas of the Fifth Ward, it's kind of, I hate to say this, it can be more like urban music. So we're very selective on uh, what we regard as a serious violent uh, crime. The other thing is police presence, and I've done research on this, that if the cops show up, if the cops are there, we did a study in the 90s uh, in Newark and Houston called a foot patrol study, and we found that if there was a foot patrol in your area, no matter how bad the area was, that you tend to frame violence differently than if there was no police presence. So the police matter in terms of responding. The other thing is effectiveness matters. So if they get the guys or gals, whoever it is, if the criminals are punished, that's received differently uh, by the um, public. So um, your uh, things, there's noise in perceptions of violence. Urban blight, a friend of mine, Kat Theo at Tulane's doing great research on this. So if it's a rundown area, uh, then people tend to regard crime as more serious. If it's a more orderly neighborhood, they they tend to minimize it below its actual uh, level. Uh, and so, so the there's it isn't like people are computers and they know exactly how much crime there is. There's a lot of social psychology and misperception to get it wrong. Right, let me take a break, uh, Peter. When we come back, we'll pick it up here. And I want to talk to you about the uh, the incidents at the hotels. They had another one that happened at the Hyatt uh, on Saturday. Uh, a guy kidnapped like three people with a a knife, and then the maintenance man broke it up. He had bipolar depression. And just as a, a, a criminologist, how do you factor in the murder, and I'm not trying to minimize this in any way, the man beaten to death in his hotel room, um, the 75-year-old man, but it was by, uh, allegedly, the guy that worked next door said he remembered drinking, and that's all. Who knows what the story is there, but how does that it, does that stand out? Is that just an anomaly, or when it comes, I know it's a murder, and it's as serious as that anybody's life uh, is. Does that it, it kind of like skew the stats, or do you look at that differently than the normal New Orleans murder? And I hate to say it that way, 21 and a half, traffic now, WWL. A27, Tommy Tucker, WWL, Tuesday morning. We take a deep dive into crime with Dr. Peter Scharf, adjunct professor, criminologist at LSU Health New Orleans School of Medicine, a little bit later this morning because of the Saints game last night. Peter, I see here where you say, um, no matter the perception, there is mounting research evidence that fear of gun violence exerts a, exerts a, exacts rather a psychological, physiological price on individuals for the perpetual wariness that we all have in the presence of violence. And we're going to get back to that in a second. But as a criminologist, and we can address this before we hit the news break, 
when you look at this killing of the 75-year-old tourist, a, a bizarre incident that I, I don't know now, it appears as though it was somebody that worked next door in a bar and was drunk or something, I don't know. Does does that count differently when you're trying to talk about the differences in, or at least controlling violent crime in New Orleans? And unfortunately, and I'm not trying to diminish this at all, does this go in the category of sometimes these things, unfortunately, are going to happen? No, I think uh, it's another form of neglect. Okay. Uh, you know, the, the question, more cops or more Zoloft? You know, yeah, that's the question. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'm involved in the uh, New Orleans Coalition, and, and it's something we think about uh, deeply. You know, uh, what piece of violence is really untended mental health care? that we have people who are in desperate need of mental health care, uh, medications. You remember going back to Columbine, Harris, one of the killers in the Columbine, he didn't take his meds for five days and killed all those kids. So going off your meds is, you know, in certain circumstances can be a highly risky enterprise and can lead to disaster. We tend to think that all criminals are willful, they're intentional killings, they're all packing, they're all in the dope game. I think as you've just pointed out, some some of the mur- you know, the two hundred and fifty five murders may be attributable to uh lack of uh of responsive mental health care, not you know and not lack of deterrence or lack of police capacity. You think about that situation. Would a police officer have helped? In that situation, probably not, unless you saturated the hotel and doubled the rates. But, uh, you know, the whole issue of mental health. Now, do you treat the whole city with, uh, you know, mental health care, saturate the city with mental health care to prevent this kind of murder? I think there's a feasibility test that, you know, is lacking. We're gonna take a we're gonna take a break here, Peter. We got the news coming up. Somebody texted in that they took a cruise out of Orlando because of the crime in New Orleans, and I know somebody that lives in Central Florida, and they said that you know having lived here all their life, it's so different when you go somewhere else because things that we just accept as normal are not normal at all, and you realize that when you get a different perspective. More when we return with Peter Scharf, eight thirty time for WWL First News. For that, we go to Ian Ozan. A eight forty two eighteen before nine. Tommy Tucker quickly back to Doctor Peter Scharf, our friend, adjunct professor, criminologist at LSU Health New Orleans School of Medicine. We're talking about the perception as opposed to the reality of violent crime. Peter, a text comes in about carjackings. Have they really gone down, or are the police underreporting them? And I guess the question is, who would know? MCC, or do you keep tabs on that? Well, I work very closely with uh, Molly and Raphael at MCC. I, I trust their numbers. Um, I, th- I think, you know, four years ago, there were about 50 carjackings a year, and they went towards 200. So is it down uh, over historical norms, or is it down over the, the peak a year ago? It's really down over uh, peak a year ago. And we have better engineering in, uh, uh, in cars to prevent car, you know, theft, that kind of thing. But the, you know, but it's still at an alarming rate. And we're still, hey, look, in terms of murder, murder that's the gold standard of violence. You know, in in 
2019, we're at 121. This year will probably be about uh, 270. What the heck happened? And it wasn't because somebody didn't take their meds in a hotel. You know, there, there's something in the culture of the city that's changed. Let's be real. This is not a political statement. Mm-hmm. And we've got to get a hold of this. You know, you know, we're a little city, uh, a mecca in all kinds of ways. We love living here except, you know, uh, the fear of, of violent crime will are, kill us. Are we a fear-ridden city, Peter? Because i got to tell you, when I drive in through Orleans Parish in the morning, I got a gun in a console, and when I stop at a red light, I reach over to put my hand on it. That's a hell of a way to live, but I'm aware of what's going on around me. Am I nuts to do that? Yeah, R.D. Lang, the old psychiatrist in the 60s, had a great line, paranoia is a heightened sense of reality. Mm-hmm. You have a heightened sense of reality, Tommy. And a, a lot of people do it. But the problem, here's the problem, that as people get more fearful, right, and more suspicious of others, the chance of mistaken identity shooting, a, a reactive shooting, uh, is is greater. So, you know, does fear trigger responses that lead to more violence? Mm-hmm. In a couple of ways it does. One, people move for safety. Uh, you destabilize neighborhoods. Uh, you try and move someplace you think is safe. It's hard to find. And you can actually, incre- fear can increase uh, crime in a, as an unintended byproduct of, of behavior based on fear. You know, and, and the leadership is so important. We've got to have leadership at the city level that, one, puts fear into proportion. Uh, it does the effective law enforcement criminal justice things to make it really safer. And then to market that, the increment in safety. We don't do that. This is going to be a long, rough ride. You know, and again, last week we talked about what does 2023, 2024 look like? Does it look appreciably better than 2022? 2022 is an unmitigated disaster, even relative to a couple of years ago. In, uh, in, uh, two, in 2020, we had uh, about 200 murders. Uh, and then uh, last year we had uh, 218, this year 270. Where is this going? And to be clear, I'm not going to shoot anybody unless they try to get into my locked vehicle with the window up while I'm in it. Um, if you were a professional realtor and a customer asked you whether it was safe to live in New Orleans or just a friend of yours, um, move considering moving into the city, hey, Peter, we decided to move to New Orleans, where should we live? Would you tell them to live in the city or not? Would you tell them it's safe? I'd say be hyper-selective, have a lot of money to buy real estate, armed guards, walls, etc. Uh, you know, but right now it's a risk. Let's be real; it's a risk. But with 270 murders or whatever the year will end up as, it's a risk. You know, and and we need our leaders, our business leaders. Uh, you know, the coalition. We're trying. We're all trying. But we've got to effectively uh, produce increments of safety, and also market that the safety's been achieved. And that fear needs to be put in in perspective, uh, you know. But right now, we're uh, you know we're we're gonna have trouble selling a city with 270 murders, a little city. 
you know, and uh, it, it's, um, you know, and, and you can't do, you know, feel safe, feel good when you have a, a probability of getting killed. Let's be real. So even at 18 murders a month, that's 216 a year, that this is still an incredibly dangerous city, and we just got to face it right, and so, do whatever so we can. Before we run out of time. What does the city and the NOPD need to do to make New Orleans a safer city from violent crime and change your perception or change your reality? And here's the deal. Until you get more officers, this is not going to change. And when you look at some of the stuff, the shenanigans going on with the officers, um, with overtime sheets, with the mayor, um, you got to wonder whether or not there's a club. And if you're in a club, you're okay. And if you're not in a club, you're not. And if that is the case, well, then God bless us because you'll never recruit more cops because guess what? Nobody wants to work under that situation. The people that are in the club certainly don't want more people in, quote, the club. And there's a big concern, as you've heard from Pano and others, that as soon as these bonuses kick in, you're going to see a lot of people leaving the department. What are your thoughts on all of that? Well, the pro- one of the problems is you can't lose your more savvy officers. If you lose a two-year rookie or a six-month rookie, that's sad. But what's tragic is a 10-year veteran at the peak of their career, at their peak of their law enforcement fighting abilities, you know, and then you're you're in some serious trouble. Not only the numbers, but the level of the experience and savvy. Uh, and uh, you know, we, we we've got work to you know. So one, how do you convince? And I think you have to look at non-monetary as well as monetary rewards. Um, you know, to keep them there uh, and uh, keep them growing, get them a career path, move them into other occupations when they're ready to retire. They retire young. So, you know, we we need a, a complete re-engineering of the way we think about law enforcement and the career of law enforcement. The um, the other thing is we need, uh, and, and in the budget, I, I, you know, you the one, there's money for bonuses, there's money for recruitment, there's uh, money for uh, information systems. We, we need to improve our information system. And the coalition and the city council have backed uh, a, a shared information system where a cop friend of mine says, every cop knows what every other cop knows, and you're able to target both prevention and law enforcement activities. So there there's some things that are promising. Uh, you know, we, we simply have to do them. You know, we can't we can't live forever on promissory notes, and, and the city's going to become unlivable uh, unless we really move precipitously. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate your time as always. Dr. Peter Scharf, adjunct professor, criminologist at LSU Health New Orleans School of Medicine. Um, let me remind you at this point real quick about the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? 
This boy isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.